This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. We are here today with Colin Murphy, the Group Strategy Director for Droga 5, an advertising agency based in New York City. Colin, thanks for being here. You're very welcome. When you begin working with a new brand or on a new campaign, what are the first questions you ask? What kind of data do you need to get started? Yeah, so the way that we like to think about things, it's uh, it's actually a pretty simple um, construct, but then there can be a lot of depth within it, um, is we look at the world through, uh, through four lenses. We call them the four Cs, which is um, uh, the company, the category, the consumer, and culture. And within each of those, there's different amounts of research that you might need to do depending on what um, uh, what you already have available and then what new uh, new questions you need to answer. Um, but, you know, we get a lot out of um, digging really deep into what the company's all about, what the DNA and the soul of the, the, the organization might be about, like what the brand really stands for, not just what it's selling, um, what people's ambitions are, where they want it to go. Um, that's, the, that's the first part of it. And the second part of it is the category. So what else is happening around, um, around the, uh, the business that, that this brand is in? What, what white space might there be? What other uh, opportunities? What are the tropes and things that you want to avoid? Uh, what are the category dynamics? Um, then the, the third part is consumer insight, which is probably the one that most people are, uh, would, can, um, would be familiar with. Um, but what we like to try and do there is try and, try and get a little deeper, try and get into something that maybe um, hasn't been uncovered by, by normal research. Um, and, uh, but then because consumers are really good at telling you where they are now, what they're thinking about at the moment, the fourth is, is often the most interesting to us, which is the, the cultural piece, So um, uh, which is where are the uh, what's happening in the culture that surrounds the subject matter that you're thinking about because what's happening there is where the customers will be in the future so um, we also do a lot of research there very um, very qualitative research often with um, cultural leaders and experts that can um, uh, help us unlock a little bit about where things are going to go rather than where they are now Now, and it was actually, it's interesting because it kind of ties in with my next question, yeah. is I was reading an article about the agency and an executive from Coke Zero had a really interesting quote about Droga 5 when they said that Droga 5, they don't impose their brand on the, they don't impose their brand on the brand. Yeah. And so I was curious, like, what does that mean to you in terms of, I mean, not making it about Droga 5, but making yeah. it more about the brand, but also, I mean, you want people to know it's you in some sense. Yeah, I think I think the, the thing that's consistent about what we do is, um, is the the influence that we're trying to achieve. So it's more about the the way that it performs rather than the content of the work. I think the um, the process I was just talking about with the four Cs is going to be different for every brand in every different situation because it has different customers um, and and they deserve a, go, a, a fresh start every time. So every, every brand should have its own um, totally unique um, point of view, its own purpose and its own um, uh, whatever executional um, elements and style are, are, are right for that situation. Um, I think what, what we try and do is we have a set of, um, a set of values that we hold um, that are always the same uh, in how we work. So we're always um, uh, creatively led, uh, strategically driven, um, digitally native and humanity obsessed, uh, which is just, it's it's just a, 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 a a, uh, a set of principles that I think will always apply and they, they will always get us to the right product for the problem at hand. Um, but I think the, the similarities work in terms of philosophy more than um, strategy or, 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 or execution for, for any particular brand. Mm. Now, I mean, these days, I mean, I guess when I, someone like me, would usually think of advertising, you think of maybe just a commercial or an ad. But today, yeah. it's, it's, I mean, it's about a full campaign. I mean, it's about multi-platform. And one of those, a big one of those is social media. And I wondered, when you're planning for campaigns these days, how do you determine, like, the right 
content for each platform. And then also, how do you plan for, I guess, virality? I mean, Droga5 has been lucky enough to have campaigns yeah. that have gone viral. So, for example, you guys were behind the Newcastle Ale. This is not, this was what our Super Bowl commercial would have been campaign, for example. And that did go viral. Yeah. But you can't really plan for virality. So, how do you, how do you, how do you kind of, Walk that type of I think that that's right. I mean, like, virality is something that you are, are rewarded with if you create something that people really, really uh, get value from. So, um, you know, if something's very entertaining or very useful, you have a chance of it becoming viral. But you you plan for being entertaining or useful, not for being viral. Um, uh, that's that's a, something that you have the, the privilege of, of being the benefactor of if, uh, if if you create something that people genuinely want. Um, so I think that's that's the first part of it. But more more generally, um, like we have a, a, after we've done the brand strategy um, part of what I was talking about uh, with the four C's, uh, there's a, a just as robust uh, communications planning uh, process where we um, uh, we, th we think about what are the tasks that communications need to achieve, what are the right channels for uh, achieving those tasks, um, and then what is the right content to fill those channels. So um, it, it's all part of a, of a plan which is far broader than, than any one particular piece of content, um, and you just pull the right levers at the right time. So I wanted to talk a little bit more in depth about a yeah. campaign that I think you really recently worked on. Now, this was a campaign by Dixie, which is they make cups, they make yeah, plates. Sure. And this was a campaign that was planned around the message of hashtag go dark for dinner. And mm. what it was is encouraging people to take a dinner, take a meal with their family, but without their devices. And this was a partly based on, I think, a, a survey that Dixie helped do, which showed that most people don't do that, right. which I know from my own experience, it's really hard to do, even yeah, no matter how much you want to. Now, can you take me through a little bit about how you work with a brand to decide, like, this was the right matchup for the brand in terms of this is, you know, we want to promote the brand, but we also want to promote this particular message to people, this sort of thing going on in the culture. Yeah. And how do you kind of strike that balance of, you know, yeah. obviously in the end, Dixie wants people to buy Dixie cups. But at the same time, you're also sort of encouraging this more altruistic message of we also want you to spend time with your family. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think there are two branches of the same thought for the brand, which is that what we really wanted to do is find a different way of thinking about what disposable products can do for people. So um, there is, uh, you know, a, it's a fairly common to talk about disposable products as things that can save you time. But we thought it was in really interesting to think about actually what if it's about making your time better, you know? And and one thing that we found when we were doing doing our research uh, into what we thought the brand could, the, the, the position the brand could take, was we were finding out about um, that people were really, really, um, Looking for more emotional presence in the moments that they had around their around their meal times, um, and we actually thought that the the, the, the plate was a, a, a tool that could help you do that. Um, so once you would establish that that's what we wanted the brand to stand for, it then became a fairly natural um, evolution of it to then think about. So what are the enemies of emotional presence? And the biggest one that we found from doing the survey and from other uh, other sources were mobile phones. It's the one thing that just like punctures the little bubble that you really want to try and create around meal times. It's that, its own bubble. Exactly, and, and you know, and, and people um, people love those moments and. Dixie has a place in that in that moment, um, and so it's totally right, I think, for that brand to stand up for protecting that moment. And I also find it interesting um, with some of these campaigns, like with the Dixie campaign, and then also with the one that you guys have the the ones that you have done around Honey Main Graham Crackers, sure. which has looked at kind of various different types of families. The one I watched actually was about um, non-traditional families, and they were blended families. So parents had gotten divorced and then gotten remarried, mm -hmm. and it focused on the child who is spending time in both households and also has siblings in both households. It was interesting to me because I'm a stepmom. Right. But um, what was interesting to me is just with that and with Dixie, it's these longer kind of documentary length. Yeah. 
But I don't know, I wouldn't even call them ads. And it was interesting, I guess, how do you take, do you start with that and kind of break it down into the smaller pieces that then become the commercial, the social media, or do you start with the small and take it to the big, or is it somewhere in the middle? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think the the, the way that we really think about it is, you know, what do we want the, the brand to be known for? And then what's the right way of telling the story? And, and often with the um, with the examples where we're, we're getting into quite big cultural uh, discussions, it deserves a longer format um, uh, way of bringing it to life. So um, it'll be more about what's the right way of telling the story that we're that we're uh, that we're wanting to tell, and then um, you know, commercial. Uh, there's a media plan to fill as well. So then you you know, if the, if it requires breaking down into smaller segments, then then you do that. But I definitely would think about it more in a top down way, um, which is you know, what's the story we want to tell? What's the best way of telling it? And then and then uh, what's the, what are the right executions to do it? And now that brings me actually to another campaign. So you guys recently launched. Yeah. Um, I think it's Under Armour's first global campaign around soccer or yeah. football, as we call or. Football, as most people call it. Soccer, as we call it. <laughs> exactly. Yep. So we're probably wrong. But yep. um, how do you, when you're working on a global campaign, I mean, I guess even just the wording sort yeah. of shows the differences right there between t- culture, the culture here and culture in other places. When you're working on a global campaign, I mean, how are you able to kind of keep that balance where you're reaching out to such a, I mean, it's such a diverse group of people just in one country. Definitely. In the world that, that's, you know, expounded at, expanded on by two or three or four or five or a million times. So how are you able to kind of, how do you strategize for a campaign that's global? Yeah. How does that make it different? How does that change things? It's, it's really difficult. I think when you start getting into it, you realize quite how much of the discussion that we have with one another, um, movies, music, advertising, anything, like how much of it does rely on local nuance and, and, and local context. Um, but what you're looking for, I think, in, in that particular example, is, you're, well, you're always looking for what's the highest the highest common factor that unites everybody that you're trying to speak to about the subject that you're trying to speak to them about. So, um, you know, luckily, I think with that campaign, we had a very specific audience, which was um, um, young football players. And, and, and they are united by football. And actually, there's an attitude that, you, that really um, brings all those guys together, um, which is, um, you know, about, about the mental strength that it takes to just keep on, like, getting up and facing challenges over and over and over again, which is what you can see in the work. Um, and actually, it was, it was great. We used our, our um, global network to, to validate that. That was a thought that we had. And we, we, um, we, we spoke to, actually, um, uh, scouts and coaches and people who are involved with, um, with, with uh, teaching uh, young kids soccer. Uh, and that's what, they, that's what they thought it was. And then we tested that hypothesis in different countries to see if it was a thing that held true. Um, uh, and, and it did. And that was, that was great. So that came, from, that came from the sport itself with the thing that united all those people in, uh, at that time. But yeah, you're, it, you're, you're, you have to find something that's universal and that can be, that can be t- challenging. Now, with um, you're saying you do a lot of cultural research in terms of trying to bring campaigns mm. to life. Now, with um, so we're in sort of a period right now where millennials are becoming the dominant consumer group, and then behind them we have, I guess, what people are calling either Generation Z or mm. MTV is calling them the founders. How does as they become kind of the majority among consumers, how does that change the way you approach campaigns? I mean, are you doing it differently than you would for, say, the majority baby boomer audience or even the greatest generation before them? All of that was definitely. I mean, the the inputs that you take. I, I mean, I don't think there's anything specifically. Uh, we we would approach it with the same specificity as we would with any audience. You know, I mean, the fact that they're that they're um, uh, bound by an age group is 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 true, but it's it's by the by really. Like we, you know, in like for example with the Under Armour campaign, we were looking at, um, at, at kids of a certain age that play football, but football was the thing that was uniting them. So, you know, we will always, um, from both an insights point of view and a, especially from a media point of, um, point of view, look at how the group of people that we're thinking about um, behave and how they think. Uh, I, I think specifically for, for the groups that you're asking about, I think there are, there are certain um, brand behaviors that are becoming more important as time goes on, but I don't even think they're necessarily isolated to, um, to, uh, to, to Gen Z and Gen Y. Um, but, you know, I think there are things like 
um, transparency, for example. I think like we're we're um, in, in a an environment where people demand transparency from from brands. Um, it's uh, it, the the interaction that a brand has with with its with its audience is so direct now that there is a, there is an expectation from customers and particularly from from young ones um, that uh, they will have uh, a transparent and honest relationship with with the, the brand that they're talking to. Um, and 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 they're also like fine with having a relationship with brands. You know, I think they they expect there to be discourse and they expect it to be honest, but they're fine with having a relationship with brands. Which I think is is something that may be more true of that group than, than others. Um, some other examples, I think, are um, personalization. I think there's a lot of um, room now. There are a lot of tools available to, to brands to uh, personalize messages, and I think that's another thing that's becoming an expectation um, from um, from people. Standards, standards can be set outside of advertising, you know, like the, the kind of personal service that's um, you know, the standard that's set by companies like Uber or um, uh, or, or something else where people are using um, very personal data to, um, to provide a better service. That's setting the standard now that brands are expected to live up to. Um, and so I think personalization is another really big theme. I'm curious, I wonder if you, when you're working with a brand on a particular campaign, I mean, what do you do if they're coming to you with something that maybe is the opposite of what you're coming at them with? I mean, how do you arrive at kind of the middle ground of what you're of what, of what it's going to be in the end? I mean, I, I think generally we want to work as closely as possible um, uh, with, with our clients and with everybody else who's involved in uh, in, in the creation of the work. And I think. Um, there shouldn't really be surprises, you know. I think if you're if um, the, the the iteration of a, of progress towards whatever it is you're going to do um, should mean that you're you're really um, more together than than apart on most decisions. Um, I think generally it's better to pick pick a path and do it properly than it is to water it down with compromise. Um, but yeah, really, I mean, those are decisions that you should be making together and informing with um, uh, with strategy and with research so that uh, you should you should rarely be too many million miles away from one another. So we have my final question is one that we actually ask of a lot of people that come here to our studio, which is what gets you up in the morning and conversely, what keeps you up at night? Yeah. I mean, I think what's great about what we're doing at the moment is uh, we're doing like, the world's best creative work on bigger and bigger canvases. So I get really excited about that, about seeing if we can maintain the same level of, uh, of, of creative integrity but do it on, on the biggest possible scale. And then for um, in terms of what keeps me up at night, I think um, you know a big part of what what we've got to manage, and not just in terms of media, but in terms of messaging and audiences, and is is about simplifying complexity. And I think that's the hardest part of our job. And it, in, in every everything we do, it's about trying to make very complicated things very simple. And I think that that's that could be the thing that keeps you up at night. Great, Colin. Thank you so much for being here. You're with very us. welcome. Thank you. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.